Welcome, Sacred Disruptor, to the Sovereign Society podcast. I'm your guide, Sabrina Riccio, modern medicine priestess, golden age business mentor, and marketing muse for spiritual entrepreneurs. In this sacred temple, we explore what it means to embark on your spiritual journey towards sovereign embodiment, multidimensional leadership, and social justice while honoring a business of integrity. Gathered here are some of the world's leading mentors, healers, and revolutionists alike as they share activating codes of guidance and transmissions of wisdom that will empower you to thrive. As a sovereign leader, you are here, embodied in your truth and on your evolutionary mission to answer the call, move the masses, and activate your legacy for the generations to come. You are here to unleash your medicine. Welcome home. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Sovereign Society podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Riccio, and let me tell you how excited I am to be having and sharing this conversation with you. If you've been following me over on Instagram lately, you've seen my passion talking about cryptocurrency. And the past week has been such a shit show, but also really great because it's been so low. There was a massive, massive tank that happened after Elon Musk went on SNL and started talking shit about Bitcoin and Dogecoin and Tesla pulled out all of their Bitcoin uh, pieces or enrollment or ability to buy Tesla through Bitcoin. And then you saw all of these massive investors pull out and invest in gold as well. And this is the funny thing is that I believe they're all pulling out so that prices can be low and then they can invest again at lower prices because crypto is rising. And in today's episode, I've got Jacqueline Holmes here of Luxem Babe. And I love this woman so much. You know me, I love real authentic women online. There's not very many but I always seem to find them because like attracts like. (laughs) And I've been following Jacqueline for a long time. And this is just one of the realest women I know. And so it was a no brainer to have her on the podcast. And so while, you know, in sidereal astrology, it's still Taurus season, even though that we're in Gemini season in what most people would see as astrology, it's still always a great time to talk about money. And I know for me, I've been going through a wild journey of investing in myself and in my business so that I can continue to up-level the space and my container, not just for myself, but for my clients as well and for all of you. And if you don't know Jacqueline, go follow her because this one is as real as it gets. And she's a holistic money healer and an abundance coach. And she's a boutique accountant that who really helps spiritual entrepreneurs these 5D entrepreneurs and multidimensional woke new earth entrepreneurs so that, you know, we can really bring in more abundance and help. She's really on a mission to help people transform their relationship with money. And so we need more good people making good money, doing great things in the world. And this is why I love Jacqueline because she keeps it real And she's sharing these true codes to help people really get to that space with more ease and grace. And so in this episode, we are going to be teaching you a lot. We talked a lot about the Federal Reserve and the manipulation of money of an outdated currency and the control matrix of it, as well as really changing the frequency of money by earning with purpose. And that's why Jacqueline's doing this work. That's why I'm doing this work. That's why so many others like in my soul squad, we're so passionate about helping people heal their relationship with money so that we can have money and spend money and invest in money with purpose to really revolutionize the world because the world needs it right now. We also talked a lot about taking our power back with money and to do so by taking responsibility with money. So if we can start to really recognize our behavior, our beliefs, we can start to shift things. We also talked a lot about overselling and undergiving in the coaching industry, which is something I've been really keen about talking about more. Um, I've had quite my journey and experience of that. Um, So it's all about if you're going to be selling, make sure you're selling with integrity. And so a lot of that can bring up a lot of what it means to really heal your money story, which is what we talked about a a lot as well, and really alchemizing our and healing our shadows around money. 
a lot of the distortions, a lot of the conditionings and the programming we've gotten from ancestral, societal, and just from shit we've collected along the years. We also talked about transmuting the idea that money is the root of all evils by implementing change and how we can start to use money to implement that change. We also talked a lot about becoming energetically prepared to receive money. And this was fun because I just got back from Vegas earlier this week too. And so we talked a lot about gambling and the energetic code to crack it. So we've been talking a lot about crypto. And like I said, I've been really passionate about it. And it's something that I'm continuously learning more about and really fascinated by because I do believe this is going to be one of the new currencies that we need. And I feel like the fiat system is evolving and we are going to see more of assets and we are going to see a rise of crypto. So this conversation, take note because we are going to go there and I'm so excited And, you know, if you want to learn more about what Jacqueline offers, she has a ton of great courses around money and prosperity and to really help you find and cultivate this healthy relationship with it. So all of the links are in the show notes. Make sure you take a screenshot and tag her and I. Tag me at Sabrina Riccio and at Sovereign Society Podcast and tag Jacqueline at Luxombabe, L-U-X-O-M-B-A-B-E, and let us know what you think. And I'm really, really pumped to be sharing with you this conversation because like I said, it's as real as it gets. So without further ado, let's dive in and share more about what it takes for us to revolutionize the world with money and really implement the change of more prosperous leaders. Enjoy. Hello, 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 and welcome to an episode of the Sovereign Society podcast I'm really pumped about because what I love about social media and like the people I've been able to really connect with is that like when real attracts real, right? And so I got Jacqueline here and I'm just like so pumped because this bitch is a real deal. And when she talks about money and what's going on. I'm grateful that there's people like her who are having the courage to really speak up and not just speak up, but to lead and help people remember that like money isn't real. And that can be like so triggering for people, but you can print it. Like we put value on it and, you know, we put value on so many things and money is one that has destroyed families, relationships, like mental health. And so if we can start cultivating this healthier relationship with money and allowing that energy to be directed towards real change, this is how we can choose to be part of the solution. So I'm so pumped you're here, lady. I've been waiting for this conversation for a long time. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, I want to dive in because before we go into the conversation about money, you know, and this is something I know you're really passionate about. And you've recently said, like, you know, we can't really have a conversation around money without bringing up the Federal Reserve and the central banking system. So let's go there and let's talk about it. And I'm really excited to be sharing more and letting people become more aware about that money is an illusion. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I want you, I want you to like, I want you to tell us like, let's, let's, let's talk about it because, um, you know, I think we're going through such a wild time right now, like after the pandemic Mm -hmm. and a lot of people have lost jobs and wealthy, Mm -hmm. some wealthy people got super, super wealthy, like your Jeff Bezos Mm -hmm. and, especially Mm -hmm. who, when everyone was shopping and shipping from home and, you know, people like that, who money can, they can literally wipe their ass with money and it won't mean anything as someone on the street and there's more homelessness. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's going to be a spike of bankruptcy. There's going to be a spike, you know, Mm -hmm. of, you know, food banks are getting bigger. Like there, this is a conversation we need to talk about more. So, Um, I'd love for you to share more about, you know, how you've seen and your passion to remind people about the illusion and what's really going on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I think it's just um, personally in my life, like I've 
I, I've spent a lot of energy and time towards obtaining money and manifesting money and, and, you know, um, thinking about new ways for money to come into my life. That's basically the entire reason I went to college was because I wanted to make good money. Right. And so a lot of, it's so built into our society that until you really take a step back and you really recognize what money represents in our culture today, um, it's, it's difficult to like separate ourselves from what we do and then what we do for money. Um, a lot of people, like I went right from college into a corporate environment, sitting in a cubicle, 40 hours a week, you know, commuting, all of that kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, people are doing that for money, right? People are doing that for a paycheck. They're not necessarily doing that because that's the best use of their energy or the best use of their time. It's a conditional, then, oh, it's a condition of what you're supposed to do. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. And what, once you realize that it's actually set up that way, mm -hmm. right. It's actually set up for you to actually live your life like that, um, to pay taxes involuntarily indefinitely for the rest of your life on every dollar you make and every dollar you spend, um, going into like, you're talking about Jeff Bezos, like the consumer, the consumerism, the materialism, of our culture. It's designed that way. It's designed to keep us paying taxes <laughs> and the taxes, you know, 13% of it goes back to pay the interest that the U S government is charged on the federal reserve. So um, when you start to view things that way and you start to view how your energy is actually kind of like being siphoned for a corporation. And um, that's, you know, that was my experience and that's the experience of, um, a lot of people I know that work, you know, in a nine to five environment that um, it's all just, and then seeing also how easy you can make money in an online business, right? Like money, money is, I work one eighth of the hours I used to work when I worked in a nine to five, right? Like I, I don't even work close to the amount I work and I make three, four, five times the amount of money I used to make, right? So when you're thinking about money in that concept too, and you're able to, you're realizing the energetic component of the money and not so much the um, conditioning around it, then it just kind of puts it into a new perspective around what it actually is, why, we're, why collectively most of the people in the world are spending so much time trying to obtain it. And like what, what ultimate, who ultimately that's serving, right? Cause it's, I don't think it's serving the individual and I don't think it's serving the individual coming more into like their soul's purpose and, and doing what they're really here to do on this planet. I think it's more serving someone that benefits from them paying taxes for the rest of their life. <laughs> totally. And I, you know, it's interesting because, you know, as we're part of the millennial group and our society. Has uh, love to shit on millennials, you know, from the beginning of time and blame us when we were the 9-11 kids who were going through puberty mm -hmm. while all this war and the economic crash yeah. and all these things happened. And so we learned at a young age, like what not to do in a way, especially when mm -hmm. it came for money. And so majority of like, you know, a lot of millennials are now choosing to be their own boss. They're choosing to lead. They're mm -hmm. choosing to create a life that isn't conditioned cookie cutter and uh, programmed like our parents and our ancestors were told is the right way to live the American dream um, in the Western mm -hmm. world. And, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of us are like, fuck this. I'm going to use tech, things that I grew up on, like learning how to play the Sims when I was like young and like my AIM yeah. days and learning yeah. about like hex codes and, you know, building yeah. pieces like that. MySpace. Yeah, MySpace, <laughs> dude, for sure. Like I started, I think what like activated my passion for branding was literally like designing my AIM profile and my MySpace and like learning how to like embed codes and like change fonts yeah. and like put music. But those were all pieces that I like that were like breadcrumbs as to how we as millennials are here to live life. It's what we were, we grew up with. So what did you expect yeah. that the, yeah. there's such a high peak and a high desire for us to continue to create and, you know, build our life based off of our terms. And then you've got mm -hmm. the Zers, you know, that were born post 2000. That's all they've known is tech. We are the last, the millennials are the last of the bridge to remember what life mm -hmm. is like pre and post technology. 
So we have a lot of power. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these um, uh, systems, they don't like that because they've been so conditioned to be powerful. And now you're seeing more millennials making six, multiple six, seven, eight figures in their business, Mm -hmm. barely working. But guess what? They're also circulating money into the economy. Mm -hmm. But we're still the problem, right? Right, because we don't buy houses and all of that other stuff. We we spend money on pleasure, you know, like the whole avocado toast, whatever. Like, we're not buying houses because we're doing that. And it's like, yeah, oh, so we're spending our money on things that are pleasurable to us, right, rather than... Well, there's also, there's, well, I want to speak on that because I was talking to my friend who's a realtor. I know you're an accountant, but like I live in Joshua Tree, right? So in Mm. Joshua Tree, the only hotels are like shitty, like motel sixes and like a travel lodge. Mm. And so this place boomed with Airbnbs because people have been pulling their money out of the stock market because they don't know what's going to happen or they've just invest, pulled it out of stock, put it into Bitcoin. Um, the other mm-hmm. way that they're investing or other cryptos, the other way they're investing is through assets. And so people yeah. are pulling all their money out of the stocks because they're afraid that the stocks are going to crash again like they did in 08. Mm-hmm. And they're buying physical property. So now there's people out here in Joshua Tree that are buying homes and this is like their 20th home and they're turning them into Airbnbs while there's like millennials who are actually making good money who want to buy affordable, beautiful houses rather than constantly having their money go down the drain and rent. Um, But Mm -hmm. these these executives who are focusing more of their uh, money and their expenses on assets, they're not allowing millennials and people who want to buy their primary residence to do so. Yeah. And so that's a huge issue that's going on is that like, they're just, you know, how great, make more profit, but like, how can we also be ethically and sustainable and aware of like collectiveness and not so selfish? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think if you you just wait maybe like a year or so, then that problem might be completely alleviated and you might get a better deal on your house. So yeah. Cause I bought, I bought my house four years ago, you know what I mean? And so I bought my house four years ago and it's already gone up like half of what I paid for it. Oh yeah. I bet. You know what I mean? So it's, it's interesting because there are people who want to buy and then people who want to grow and people who want to like do what you're quote unquote supposed to do of like save money, buy a house, but there Mm -hmm. aren't also regulations on these things of like clearing out and like monopolizing areas of investment. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. And a lot of the same, I find like a lot of the same things, you know, that caused the housing crisis 12 years, 13 years ago or, are like circling back now. Like um, mm-hmm. I have a book that I've been reading about the federal reserve where they're talking about the recession that happened in the eighties and the, and the rates and the um, excessive money printing, mm-hmm. you know, like how the federal reserve printed 20% of the money is probably that, that number has probably gone up since the recent stimulus checks and everything, but 20% of the circulation, the money in circulation in 2020 And the stuff that they're talking about in that book, it's called the Fed. Um, They're talking about the recession that happened in the 80s. The things that happened in the 80s were just mind blowing. Like it was just like this has never before, you know, been seen in 70 years since the Federal Reserve, blah, blah, blah. Those things are happening like constantly now, like all of the the interest rates, the print, the money supply, the manipulation of the money supply, all of those kind of things. So, yeah, that's kind of another reason it's like money literally isn't real because, it, it's not a finite resource. It's, it is an infinite resource. And this is where I kind of, I feel like I like bridging the gap where people that are into manifesting money and um, the law of attraction and all of that kind of stuff have this, like, they have this path where they start to recognize that it's just so much deeper than the accumulation of cash. And when you, when you think something is really insignificant, it's also sometimes a lot easier to allow into your experience. Whereas if you think it's this big deal and it's, this is like, this is like the most important thing in your whole life, which for a lot of people it is, it's our, it's our survival. It's our modern day survival. But when you're disconnecting it from like your physical survival, you're disconnecting the fear that you feel from money. You realize like how silly the whole concept is, you know, and how manipulated it actually is. Um, Well, that's just a a scarcity mindset. 
And it goes back mm-hmm. to that conditioning of the Great Depression, of the recession um, in the mm-hmm. 80s, of the market crash that happened in 08. Scarcity came up. And mm-hmm. so collectively, this is a patterning. And yeah. it's up to us, you know, people like you who are choosing to educate, how can we be part of the solution? With yeah. our with our wisdom, with our awareness, and by bridging the gap and embracing our passions and our interests of like, you know, you're helping a lot of multidimensional spiritual businesses. How can we start implementing and sharing more of being the solution rather than mm-hmm. allowing these patterns to continue to reign supreme and dictate our uh, needs of survival. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and we're just simply doing that by earning money through our purpose. You know, we're mm-hmm. actually changing the frequency of the money. So um, I would say like so many people are already, because um, the thing is, is like how I perceive it at least, and this might be like, a skeptical or, or cynical point of view on it, but how I view it is it eventually we're going to outgrow this currency. Eventually we're going to out, outgrow the federal reserve notes, um, that us in the U S use. So how much can you operate on an outdated currency, a currency that was developed to keep people in tax servitude for the rest of your life? How far can we really take that before we need a completely new currency? And I think that that's where, um, crypto. And I think that's where gold and silver are going to be those in between almost like bridge currencies for mm-hmm. us to move into something, a completely new currency. Well, those are golden where, age currencies, right? This is how we're going to, to bring it together and not have this like division of, of spaces and of countries and war and mm-hmm. conflict over that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think that the, the division I personally think that there will still be, there will be a split, like there will be a split of people that are continuing to reinforce that paradigm because um, taxes at the end of the day are immoral. Taxes are violent. Taxes fund wars. Mm -hmm. Taxes literally fund all of the wars. And so by continuing to like perpetuate that cycle involuntary, most of it is involuntary to us. We don't get to decide that we go to the grocery store and there's an 8% tax for our city, or we don't get to go, we don't get to earn a paycheck at a corporation and decide if there's taxes taken out. They're forcibly, you know, they're forced to be taken out of our paycheck. So I think when a lot of people decide to like massive mass exodus and leave that system and develop a new system, it's there's going to be still people that want to have a violent system, people that still want to perpetuate a violent system, because that's like the control matrix. You know, there's there's not uh, many people aren't going to be able to see like the the deeper consciousness into the money to be able to like move all in unison together. You know what I mean? It's just funny. We're having this conversation the day before taxes are due. And yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's funny. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. Well, I don't know. To me, like, you know, I've been investing in some like crypto lately and I've seen almost I've gotten like in six weeks, I've almost gotten my return on investments back. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, hell yeah, it's still like very over my head. Like I went to school for business and I went to like a very, like one of the top business schools, but like the accounting piece of it was like always like challenging for me. Um, I was always good with like the branding and the marketing and like the productions, like that's just the way my brain works. So part of like having a business, I've had to learn to really like hunker down and recognize and see and um, have essentially more responsibility around those pieces. Um, but to be able to focus on like investments, like I said, like crypto has been, uh, something that's been, you know, I'm still doing my best to learn because, you know, you've got like the fiat currencies where like you put in and your USD, whatever country you're from. And then I had to like buy Bitcoin from another to buy some other crypto. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And so that's already like, kind of giving like the breadcrumbs of, like you said, that there's going to be a currency shift in Mm -hmm. a way. Um, And I think that's why people have also been focusing more on assets, gold, um, growing their own food. Um, How can we, you know, I, I think there's just a whole revolution of people choosing and ready to like reclaim their power back and not allow a piece of paper to dictate and rule their lives even though right now it is a necessity that we need to survive, like 
That's what's going to pay for the roof over our head. That's what's going to pay for, you know, what we eat unless you grow it all, which Mm -hmm. the majority of the world doesn't grow their own produce. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they do, but not so much the Western world. Um, And, you know, these are more of the conversations that we need to have um, and understand that, like, we've also been conditioned to, like, fear money or, like, be angry at money or like money has been the root of all evil. And so I think that's part of like what's going on. And if there's like more, like my mission is to help more good people make good money doing things in the world. Mm -hmm. You can continue to have good people. Like you said, like earn with purpose. We get to start Mm -hmm. to shift the conversation around money. We get to start to heal Mm -hmm. our relationship with money, not just individually, but collectively in our communities. Mm -hmm. And we can use that money, you know, stand up for justice. And I'm a huge advocate, you know, and that's why I was like a huge Bernie Sanders supporter and whatnot, because if I'm paying this tax money, I should be able to decide where it goes to instead of, you know, feeding useless wars that are all fighting for uh, a non-finite source like oil, um, you know, in senses like that. And so I'm... It's going to be interesting to see, continuing to see how the evolution of leadership around money um, takes place and where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I know you love talking about like sovereignty and stuff like that, too. So it is actually a really exciting conversation because um, like with that, with like taking back our power with money, we're accepting responsibility, right? We're accepting responsibility for ourselves. If we really don't, if, if we really believe like we shouldn't be paying taxes, right? We're, we're basically claiming that we get to lead ourselves. We don't need other people to lead us. We don't need, um, we don't need an excessive police force, or we don't need a billionaire, um, lobbying for our Senator to do X, Y, and Z, right? We get to lead ourselves. And so it's kind of, it's interesting because it's kind of like this, uh, this like wormhole of like radical individualism, but also like more unity coming from that too, you know? Cause I really think that like unity is the direction that that's going, but we have a really wounded unity. Now we have this really wounded relationship with like the collective and with the other, the people around us now, because there are, there are so many outdated um, power dynamics and there's just an outdated control grid, right? An outdated 3D grid of keeping a large amount of people under um, essentially slavery or under a um, being controlled by fear. We've been unified by fear and pain. Unified, yeah, yeah, unified by fear and pain, yeah. And that's it. And so these are outdated. We see it in marketing as well. Like something I'm very passionate with yeah. my clients and like my programs, we've been conditioned to believe, oh, you got to talk to their pain points. Yeah. Why? Then you're just continuing like either ripping off that bandaid, scraping like that scab. Let's focus on the solutions. That's what golden age leadership to me is, is like we're mm-hmm. recognizing we have this hawk perspective, seeing what's going on. We can come together. You have different gifts, talents, at the table, I have different gifts, talents at the table. This person may have different different gifts and talents that we can all sit at the table together side by side. The challenge has been, especially like in the coaching and wellness industry, we're going back to what it was of that 3D Piscean way of being of like a hierarchy of status. And we're yeah. seeing that based off of like your social media numbers and, and a blue check mark. And that represents your hierarchy of status. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. we are just continuing to um, that disillusion and the, the separation and, um, the agenda and the story that is actually not allowing humanity to forward with real progress and real solutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Completely. Yeah. Those things are really related. Like the, like the vanity metrics and the, um, yeah, moving by fear or, um, the dynamic in the coaching industry too, of overselling and undergiving, mm-hmm. you know, like not having an even energy exchange, um, is, is becoming, I think it's becoming more obsolete. It's becoming where the, that paradigm just can't even survive. It can't survive the, 
the golden age. Well, let's just say like (laughs) when I lost uh, my memory, you know, I went with my, I talked with my energy healer and a huge part of the grid that we've been clearing out as multidimensional. I don't, I don't refer to myself as a 5D being anymore because I'm actually multidimensional. If you're just focused on the 5D, you're Mm -hmm. you're trapped because we're actually can live in 12 dimensions and possibly higher, you know? And so we've been working on dismantling um, the sleazy weasel, like bullshit in the coaching industry. And I've been in this industry since 2013, I became a certified coach. Mm -hmm. So I've been Mm -hmm. seeing how with the rise of social media, you know, Instagram was just still like, you were using like terrible filters, you know, at that time. And like posting like (laughs) what you ate, um, but seeing the evolution of that, and I went, like I said, I went to school for marketing so and sociology. So I research a lot. And as a projector, I'm, I'm recognizing mm-hmm. and seeing what's going on. Um, but the dismantling of like the overselling and the undergiving, that's a huge mm-hmm. thing that I think is going to be continue to be disclosed in 2021 um, that can continue to um, percolate like the egotism that can be in some leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, which has been reflective and holographic in the society that we live in. Um, Like Mm. you were saying earlier, you know what I mean? Of how we're having like the Federal Reserve and taxes and all these things. It's a very holographic experience that we're recognizing in that. And so um, the more we can start to take those radical shifts within ourselves, then we can start seeing that as our external reality as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I had a conversation um, a couple of weeks ago with an energy healer um, that I've worked with Christine Ford. And she, um, she was talking about the, like the really, the alchemization of um, healing our shadow with money. Mm. And that's going to be what we, when we see the transition into um, the main currency being physical assets rather than fiat currency is that's us bringing back our, um, you know, the shadows around the root chakra and the, the shadows around money will be transitioning into physical assets because that's what's needed collectively before we transition to a new currency. So I find all that really interesting. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. I love what you said about like the 5d, you know, moving between all the dimensions, um, simultaneously, um, rather than viewing it as a destination and recognizing that a currency actually gets to reflect that a currency Mm -hmm. gets to reflect the, or our relationship with money too gets to reflect it. And then in the meantime, we just have this like completely useless paper floating around or numbers on a screen. And so how we take our power back today while that process is still occurring is like, we get to have as much money as we want. We get to have as much as possible. And um, and using that, that money to fund to donate to give to organizations and causes that are literally putting their blood sweat and tears behind real change with like pure intention um you know speak like either donating to organizations that are stopping fracking that are stopping um human sex trafficking that are stopping you know what have you there's so many beautiful uh domestic violence you know hatred against certain racial groups like we have to understand that we can't fear money anymore because money mm-hmm. has whatever power we give it. It can have power mm-hmm. us or it can have power to implement that change. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. part of the, the transcending the money mindset that we, we need to like really address because if we can start talking about that more um, and not just like, oh, money mindset, but how is your money actually implementing change And Mm -hmm. how are we allowing money to, with intention, uh, again, to be part of the solution to uh, dismantle this outdated matrix that has been so Mm -hmm. like derived by the Piscean patriarchal system? Mm, Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And then, so this like, this fear of money or the fear of or, or viewing money as the root of all evil is a really good example because that, that's a pretty predominant, um, even if someone feels like they've cleared that, that's still a really predominant um, like a vision we're given on, on the media, like with Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or something like that, where the money is, money corrupts people or money starts to be used for things that are um, what some people consider evil, right? So that's the the archetype of the billionaire CEO is still something that's that's 
making people a lot of, a lot of people fear money or a lot of people have an adversity to wealth Mm -hmm. or an adversity to, um, being labeled a wealthy person or being labeled someone that has control of their money or someone that has a lot of money rather than leaning into that and recognizing that we get to now, at least we get to implement change from within the system that feels outdated. Um, I personally think that that's more effective, you know? Totally. And it's interesting. I don't know uh, if you saw, I think it's on Hulu. There's a whole documentary about WeWork. And I remember when I got out of college, I was like, oh my God, WeWork looks like such a dope co-working space to work at. And how Mm -hmm. he, the founder of uh, WeWork, he lost like $147 billion in six weeks because he didn't have proper like structure set up. And he was just, it was kind of became like a cult following. There wasn't like real um, structure, sustainability. It was just a lot of selling the vision and people were like, wow, co-working spaces, this is brilliant. We're like redefining the cubicle and, you know, people like loved it. Um, And then they started, you know, they were trying to like expand and um, they just kept like the evaluation of the company just kept going, shrinking, shrinking, Mm -hmm. shrinking. And then he ended up piecing out and like took 1.2 billion for himself as like, see ya. And then all of his employees and everything, they just all lost their jobs. And he was all about like not being in alignment with the brand of like, we, not me. It's a really fascinating documentary. It was one of the things I watched when I was like recovering from my memory loss, but, um, It was really interesting in that sense, because I think that's the other thing of how we can start to um, heal and rewrite our relationship with money is that, again, having money in the hands of good people with pure intentions. And that comes for people who've done that internal work and they're not just seeing money as like this Band-Aid, like cover up or a spiritual Mm -hmm. bypassing, which can happen as well, whether spiritual or not bypassing of like the deeper things that they're thinking that like this money is going to be not even the root of evil, but the root of like my happiness. And we're putting Mm -hmm. this something outside of us rather than being in our own sovereign embodiment of seeing Mm -hmm. how money is a tool that can help us Mm -hmm. take um, our mission, our vision and our purpose to higher heights. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love how you put that. So, I mean, it's been, a, it's been a journey for me to heal my money story. You know, yeah. I was raised by immigrants who came with nothing. And like my, when my nonno came and he, I was raised by my grandparents because my parents worked like 16 hours a day. He came to the States with $140 in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then ended up building like very successful restaurants and um, concrete pumping and investments. Mm-hmm. And he did really well for himself. So I learned a lot of like my hard work ethic from that. Um, mm-hmm. but like, like you were saying, well, like what your, the, your friend that goes to that for the energy clearing is that, you know, healing our shadows around money is rooted in childhood. And I think that's why for so long, I was so devoted to helping people heal those deep mm-hmm. childhood wounds so that we don't allow those stories, those limiting beliefs, whether ours, ancestral, what have you to stop us from, you know, choosing to be part of the solution and to, um, implement that real change. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause I, I think there's far less action, like tangible action required. It's, it's mostly like an energetic process anyways, you know? So, um, our, our culture has an obsession with action and that leads us to view money as a reward mechanism. You know, we're like mm-hmm. always the, we're the carrot is the money and we're just following it. Um, and when you flip that on its head and you, you're able to receive it with less action through like the energetic alchemy of it, or, you know, the healing of it. Um, it, that, that creates a new paradigm in itself. You know what I mean? Um, that creates a new grid that creates a new template. Yes. And it's interesting because those are the pieces that are going to allow that money is an energy. Like what money can do is an energetic exchange. And Mm -hmm. so if you have that instability within, instability Mm -hmm. within your structures in your business, that's what's going to push money away because it won't feel the energy, the currency, it's like a wave, the currency of money won't feel safe Mm -hmm. to come. 
And so I want to talk about like, and share what you, your experience of recognizing the importance of like energetic stability within so that we can allow money and within our businesses mm-hmm. and our systems and our structures so that we can allow money to come in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, that's a, that's actually something I frequently help my clients with is um, a lot of us have like a, a goal in our minds of how much money we want, but physically bringing that into our experience is like nearly impossible if we're not energetically prepared for it. Right. And so um, I think that the journey that a lot of us have is we leave like a wounded masculine paradigm around receiving money. We leave that, um, the icky salesy, take advantage of people kind of vibe. And we move into learning to earn money from our feminine energy. Um, but then the, the masculine energy wants it, it wants to be revisited. It wants us to circle back to it and step into, you know, alchemize from wounded masculine energy with money to divine masculine with, with money, which is the structures, which, which is like the logistics of making that happen. Um, and then the energy gets to support what's, what's already in the 3d, the energy gets to support what has already been physically created or created on our computer screens and things like that. Right. Um, cause yeah, my experience bringing in, and, and that's where you see people that bring in a lot of money and, it shocks their system and they have to release it because they're not prepared for it. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Cause I want to talk about, cause I know like you've, you've been a lottery winner, right? Yeah. And I think the whole being aware of like other people who've like, you know, random people who've never seen that much money, they win the lottery and lose it in an instant. So I'd love to even talk more about that and like your experience from that. Yeah. Um, I think that the, I actually think like the, um, statistic that they give that like lottery winners go broke. I think that that's actually just a, um, it's like a marketing tactic or something like that. It's like to, it's like to make people think that like, it's, it, <laughs> it's like once you crack the code on receiving money, like it literally doesn't matter where it comes from. I love the lottery and I love gambling because it's, the most random way it can show up. It has nothing to do with who you are, Mm -hmm. how good of a person you are, anything like that. That's what I love about it is that it is so random. It's really, it's really an energetic, it's being an energetic match for it. Right. So especially um, table games because they can't fuck up the machines. Yeah. (laughs) With like some algorithm, right. If you're playing like straight up table games and gambling and it's 222, as I see that you there's there's a there's a higher chance of that because there you know there's always that conspiracy of like oh they they hacked the the machine so that people don't win and all of that yeah yeah and if there's so if there's no skill involved and literally it's as easy as going and buying a ticket or something right and like making sure you don't throw out a winner um i think that that happens more often than i think that that's the real like problem with people gambling is that they're so un like not energetically prepared to win that they throw out winners and the prizes go unclaimed and stuff like that but um yeah it doesn't matter who you are it's it's an energetic code to crack and it makes you realize that money actually isn't spiritual or not spiritual it's not emotional or not emotional it's whatever we're projecting onto it you know what i mean so I think that whenever you're, I think your original question was like bringing in money and like losing it and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, the container of it, an, like, yeah, if you, if you yeah, don't have an energetic, mm-hmm. right. An energetic match for like what they're meant to experience. So those, those examples of people, you know, manifesting or bringing in lottery wins and then going broke, like ultimately they, there was some learning that needed to be facilitated whether that's for the collective or for them individually, they were still an energetic match to bring in that money. And that's, that is the part that most people want. They want that energetic ability to bring it in. I think that's the first hurdle to jump. Right. Mm -hmm. And then once you learn to bring it in, then it's like, Oh, okay. Now I can, now I see that's how you learn is by making mistakes. You learn by doing stupid shit and money is no, like money is no exception to that. You get smarter with every mistake you make or every failure you have. But 
when you've cracked that um, frequency of bringing, being able to bring in that amount of money multiple times, then you just get smarter. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's what the, the fascinating part about that too, is like, I think it's important to share. Cause you know, in the world of like social media and branding, people are afraid of what's going to like ruin their brand. But I think transparency around our failures is also really key. Cause that's what actually makes it relatable in a way of like, Oh yeah, you're human. You're prone to make mistakes. Like no one's perfect. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we're learning along the way. And that's something that I know I've been praying and like calling in more and sharing where I fucked up, sharing where I've made mistakes, sharing where I've made um, investments that were more so out of scarcity, thinking that like this answer was going to be outside of me versus um, an investment that actually felt aligned and like really expansive. Um, Like I either got like lured into good marketing or was told like, oh, this is like, or believe that this is what I need. And again, giving my power Um, outside of myself, I think those are, um, conversations that are really important to also share. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, and also just not, not holding so much shame around our prior financial experiences either. Um, yeah, just not, not making that actually mean anything about us. There's nothing to feel as long as you didn't hurt anybody, as long as you didn't do anything violent to someone else, like, or, you know, impact someone else in some way your financial decisions or your financial mistakes, like it's, it's, as long as you learned something about it, like you repeating the same mistake, like that's just your problem. That's an individual problem. Right. (laughs) Um, Louder for the people in the back. (laughs) Right. And so when we hold this guilt and this shame, like, Oh, what is my, what are my parents going to think about me? Or what is, um, you know, what is like, what are my friends or my social circle going to think about this decision I made? Like, I don't know. I think that we're here to experience, we're here on this planet for a lot of reasons, but I think part of it is just being able to experience the material experience as well and um, use money for pleasure too. And there's not enough money being utilized for pleasure. I agree. And I think, you know, (laughs) uh, that's, that's where I was just talking about this is like one one of my one-on-one clients today. You know, instead of always having all of your marketing go to like self-help, 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 or you're Mm -hmm. broken, why can't we also invest our money in self-nourishment of things that make us feel good, feel expansive, like fill our cup, rather than constantly um, believing that there's something wrong with us, believing that we're broken and we need to be fixed. And so I'm going to invest this in this person to fix me. Mm Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, and then you're kind of always chasing the, you're always chasing a problem, right? Like people that get obsessed with like, oh, there's something wrong with me health wise. I can't pinpoint it. So they, they try all these things and obsess over everything. And then like the obsession actually becomes worse than any, anything else that they were actually dealing with. Right. It's like the same kind of thing with money. Like all of that guilt and shame that you felt around those decisions that you made, that's you, 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 people perpetuating that is actually more of a problem than them actually making that bad decision to begin with. Right. So. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's okay to have material things if it feels good, if it feels expansive, but I also don't want people to give so much of their power away to material things um, as a social status in that sense as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there is a fine line between that. I mean, for me, like I like nice things. I do. I appreciate mm-hmm. nice quality things that are made well, that aren't made in like sweatshops and in like, yeah. you know, that people are getting paid like shack shit for. And these like mm-hmm. mega companies are just like mass producing and not actually caring. Like I, I care about labor, you know what I mean? And yeah. like, I think that's, that's where we can also have power. And this is how we, I feel like we can win the game is how we spend our money. Like we've been talking about what, where is your money going? What organizations, what companies, what small businesses, what people. Um, And there's, there's this also this really beautiful experience of, I mean, not everyone has privilege. I, I recognize that. I honor that. And I, I, I see that. Um, But, you know, 
There is also, if you are going into business, if you're choosing to take that leap and there's an importance of, and like a holographic experience really of you investing in yourself and your business and how that also leads to people investing in you. Um, Mm -hmm. Because if you, if you aren't taking that time to nourish, or if you're making these uh, not so great investments, thinking that this is going to be your answer, but it's not coming from that space of alignment. Um, I've just seen it in my own experience. Like I've invested in tens of thousands of dollars of coaches. And then I jumped into the program and I was like, this sucked, <laughs> but it gave me yeah. Intel in a way. And it wasn't until I started investing in like people that I was really aligned to myself, my own mental health, well-being. Um, rather than just thinking that material things are going to bring me happiness because that can be taken in an instant as well. A fire Mm -hmm. can happen, what have you. Um, I think there's, there's also, there is that fine line of like nourishment of like enjoying things. I mean, you're in this human experience and also like investing in like you is Mm -hmm. also a very, um, if someone needs permission, you know? Yeah. Yeah. In that sense. Yeah. Cause yeah. When you invest in your healing and, and that's, it's funny you said that about like you get, you pay tens of thousands of dollars for something and then you get behind it and you're, you're kind of, you feel like you got sold, right? Like that's, it's such a common experience. I help people with like almost everyone. I feel like in the coaching industry has experienced something like that. And, um, and it, it, makes you real recognize the hierarchy. Like we were just talking about, right. A lot of times those purchases are made from this person's above me. This person makes seven figures or whatever, whatever it is that like highlights that part of our brain or our dopamine Mm -hmm. response where we're like resonating with that person, or we want to be in that person's space. Um, A lot of purchases made from that aren't, are like, you can call it like based out of ego or whatever, but um highlight back to us, like the same energy in which we purchased it from. Right. Um, and it hurts, you know, it sucks when you go through that and you're like, damn, like I still haven't worked through this. (laughs) Um, but I mean, I just had this conversation as well with, uh, Jenna Black, cause it's going to be on, you know, here on the podcast as well about the hierarchy in the coaching industry Mm -hmm. of like, oh, well I learned from this person up on top and then the person below them, like, and then there's another person. It's just like, it's like an MLM structure that we have in the coaching industry. And then on top of the uh, MLM, like conversations that want to like, I got sucked into many of those as well, thinking that like, oh, this money is going to come. And again, it goes back to that scarcity or like, are you, is it actually like a full body hail? Yes. Or is it mm-hmm. otherwise it's a hell no. And that's, I think something that we need to recognize and, uh, respect as well to be in our own sovereignty on how we invest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And not playing into, yeah, I love that. Like the MLM structure. That's like, that's exactly what it is. Right. It's just like an unregulated version of it. Um, which I think is awesome because again, that's like, that's like a mirror of, of the collective, like the mirror of the collective is, this hierarchy that's been built. And I think that there's enough of us now that are like squishing that or, um, you know, even, even doing something like hiring someone that, um, hiring someone for a reason other than business, like hiring an energy healer, like you were talking about, like, um, recognizing that we actually have all of the information and we, we have all of the capabilities ourselves and we can actually just build something completely different. Mm -hmm. We can build some, we can build a completely different, paradigm in a completely different structure. Um, but we, when we want to invest in ourselves and we want to better ourselves and, um, that, how that healing impacts our audience, how that healing would impact our future clients or our clients and, um, our family members. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that because when I was working with my energy healer after my memory loss, like I was like, I really need to see her and see what's going on. And she, I, you know, I've told her, like I've done money courses and alchemy courses with her around that. And she told me that a lot of those like shitty investments I made were actually intel on what not to do and Mm -hmm. how to be part of the solution. So again, I, I, I want people to understand that if you've made like 
poor investments. I don't want to say necessarily bad investments, but poor investments um, coming from a space of scarcity versus coming from a space of alignment. There are, like you said, the lottery, like people have this, they called it in and there's lessons to be learned. Mm-hmm. There it's, it's all an energetic experience for you to recognize, like, how can you reclaim your power back? How do you not, like you say, money isn't real. Stop giving your power away to money. Stop giving your power um, to this hierarchical system of the MLM structure of the coaching industry of like, well, obviously they're worth more like what's in their pocket. And then you can invest in their programs and it's shit. Um, So I I just want, I wanted to bring you on because I wanted to continue to have this conversation um, for people to not be afraid to invest in themselves. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, (laughs) I would rather look back and say like, oh, that was a bad investment, which like by definition, what is a bad investment, um, an investment that didn't, you didn't get a return on your investment. Right. Um, and so I don't think labeling something like bad or good is really even relevant, right? It's all about like the perspective and the information that you took from it. If you can take that information and you can turn it into something that's going to make you money, you don't want to be, you know, an industry shit bag or someone that does a bunch of sleazy things to make money. And you took that information to turn it into money that you still got a positive return on your investment. You know, Maybe not what you were initially looking for, but something else came out. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, totally. And just, um, yeah, having that perspective that I would rather look back and say like, oh, I did all of this. And yeah, maybe now I would do something different than having never taken that risk to begin with mm-hmm. and always wondered what it would have been like if I would have taken that risk. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I think I, that, I, I, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I just think like being, being successful in online business, like has so much less to do with really anything about you. And it has more to do with like, how much are you willing to just like dedicate to yourself? And be comfortable with a certain amount of risk, be comfortable letting go of that, the, the false, um, safety that we're being sold to as like working for a corporation or something like that. In reality, it's not any more or less safe to do that. It's just perceived to be. So yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. No, I love that. And that's the thing, like it may take some time for you or more work on healing your money story, healing your money mindset, to have that shift in perspective when you've made that shitty investment or like not the greatest investment. It can take some trial and error, you know what I mean? Of getting to that place where be like, okay, I see it now. Like, yeah, am I actually making this investment because I'm, I'm being told this is what I need? Am I actually making this investment because it's what feels aligned? Am I making this investment because it's expansive? am I making this investment out of scarcity? And it does take time to get to, to that realization, I believe. Um, it's well, been some that, trial and error in that sense. Yeah, I, I will agree with that. But I think that um, like that experience is available to us on a microscopic level, but a lot of times it doesn't hit people's awareness until they've spent tens of thousands of dollars doing it. But how the energy in which you're buying anything, it like, how are you, what is the energy that you're buying an ebook An energy that you're buying an ebook in, if you're treating it like this is, this is the, this is the solution. This is the bandaid. This is what's going to, this is the thing I'm missing coming to it from a perspective of lack. Like the information's available to us at so many different levels, but sometimes it takes like a big shocking number. Um, and same thing when we're receiving the money, sometimes it takes a big shocking number for us to like have the awareness actually drop in, you know? I do. I do. It's been a, it's been a journey I've navigated through myself. And so what would you say would be like to start wrapping up? What would you say would be like some key elements to start helping people heal their money story? Oh, that that's such a um such a highly individualistic question for people, right? But I think going just doing the basics of like being aware of what what energy you're in around money. I, my favorite thing to recommend people do because we live in such a digital world and most of our experience with money is actually on a computer screen. So we haven't actually prepared our nervous system for money. You know, we're not like writing check. A lot of us aren't 
writing checks or like balancing a checkbook. Like most people don't, most people now don't probably don't even know what that means to balance a checkbook, right? To actually sit there and do that. Like we have computers do all that kind of stuff for us now. So when you bring money back into this physical presence, um, that's why I love like um, having physical cash, having tangible cash and um, having it present in your physical space, if that's safe for you to do so, but like keeping it around and writing things out and staying present is going to give you so much information about the past and about your future than just saying, okay, let me go focus on my past experiences with money now. Like notice how it's, notice how it's showing up in the present and notice how these, um, how these behaviors and the energy is showing up in the present. And you're going to get so much information about what you need to heal from the past. Cause if you just go straight to the past you say, okay, I need to heal all this childhood shit that I had with money. You will literally never run out of things to, to heal. Right. Focus on how it's showing up in the present first and like prioritize that, you know? That's so good. I love that. And I, we have been conditioned, you know, I've done a lot of deep like inner child work. We've been conditioned in that way. Um, but we have to also remember to be here now. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's something like, I know my dad's always carrying cat. My, I've always grown up with my family carrying cash and mm -hmm. my, my, neither of my parents, like my, my dad doesn't even own a debit card. Like mm -hmm. it's Love just, it. he uses, <laughs> he uses old like asparagus rubber bands, like super crazy New York Italian, <laughs> old asparagus rubber bands and has all like, that's his money. Like his money yeah. clip is a rubber band. Um, very like Bronx, New York. Right. Um, <laughs> So, you know, it's, it's always, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> he's the best. What's up pops? Um, but you know, the, but these are the things that I think we need to start like getting people more comfortable because that nervous system, you know, someone who was struck by lightning, I know the importance of the nervous system and I know the importance of preparing that nervous allows us to not be in that, you know, that fight, flight or freeze. Mm -hmm. And so if all this money is coming out our way, we can freeze and run. I've definitely have experienced it throughout my journey of building my business and it's, you know, it takes time. So I do think that that's where we can remember that, you know, working with money is not just a financial thing. It's definitely mm -hmm. an interwoven, multidimensional, um, multi-sensory experience. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And the more we can have conversations and talk about that, I think that's how we are going to help more people get money in their hands, good people, and doing great things with it. Mm. That's how we, I believe, choose to be the solution, implement that change and set precedent, not just for our generation, but how are we going to pave the path for the generations to come as well? Yeah, definitely. I love it. So perfect. <laughs> I want to, I want to close out with some lightning round questions. Okay. What does sovereignty mean to you? Mm, I love that. That's just like a pure individual freedom to me. That's what mm. that means to me. Hell yeah. Here for it. <laughs> what animal totem has been guiding you lately? Mm. Snakes and hummingbirds. Dude. I, I hear you with the hummingbirds. I'm the year of the snake and, and Chinese uh, astrology too. And I live in the desert. So what can you say? I love that. Uh, I actually had a really crazy experience in Joshua tree with a snake. So did you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're out here, man. Don't let them fool you. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> one time, one time I was hiking with Bud and there was like, I saw him going like this and I was like, whoa, dude, like pick up this like 26 pound dog. Like, no, 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 no. That's not what we're doing. So that yeah, oh. shit's real. We're like in their land and they're like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> it's real. What would you say to younger Jacqueline? Oh, oh buy Bitcoin in 2009. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's just like 54,000 now. Damn. You know, I'm really, I'm really pumped. Cause like I got my Ethereum like six weeks ago and I've, I've gone up like a thousand dollars and I just put in like not much in there either. I put in like 1600 and I've gone up a thousand in six weeks. So I'm pretty pumped about that. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I posted something like last July, um, talking about people buying gold and silver and Bitcoin. And it's like, if they would have taken my advice, like they would have like tripled their money. Oh, and totally. I had all these people saying, well, you know, Bitcoin's used on the dark web and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
you know what they do with the U S dollar though. Right. Like, um, yeah. No, anyway. Tell us. Yeah. I mean, wake up guys. Thank you. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Where can we find more of you? Yeah. Um, on Instagram, I basically everywhere I am at Luxum babe, L U X O M babe. Um, my Patreon is a great introduction to my work. You get a whole library of my content and that's basically my off social media community. I'm really intentional about building. I'm, I'm no longer building communities on Facebook or Instagram. I'm building communities on off of those platforms. So thank you for my saying Patreon is not the best on place Facebook. to do that. We have a private discord chat and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Your Patreon. Yep. Patreon is just, I think it's just patreon.com slash Luxembabe. So amazing. And what last little nugget of wisdom uh, would you like to share to whoever's listening? Mm, I think uh, just start to question your definition of money and start to question what that actually means to you and um, buy some gold and silver. Start, uh, start allowing your portfolio to expand beyond uh, just the U.S. dollar or Canadian dollar or whatever. Um, That's something that I've been really uh, focused on myself um, because, you know, like I said, I think if you have more in the assets um, and where there's still that value in there, you know, I think think more of these material, even non-material like crypto, um, Mm -hmm. but that's what's going to have a nice little backup cushion. Yep, exactly. So I really appreciate you going there with me and <laughs> getting real with me because I'm, I've am i been fired up about this um, a lot lately and, and thinking and, you know, so to be able to have an accountant and someone who's very well versed about money and not just a money mindset coach, um, but someone who actually like went to school for this. Um, mm-hmm. Thanks for being one of the experts that are keeping it real and speaking in a way that isn't like overwhelming, <laughs> but mm-hmm. is actually sharing information that's tangible and relatable, especially to millennials who are being asked to step up and be in true power with their money. So yeah. I really appreciate you and thanks for being here and for going there with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thanks everyone for tuning in and go check out Jacqueline again, Luxom Babe, L-U-X-O-M-B-A-B-E and tag us on the gram, take a screenshot and let us know that uh, you're tuning in and listening and we're just ready to, I know she feels the same way, but we're here to help good people make good money, doing great things in the world and the balls in our court, bitches, let's get this and uh, (laughs) we got this, but thanks for tuning in and we'll be seeing you soon. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning into this powerful episode of the Sovereign Society podcast. To keep this conversation flowing, I invite you to join us over at the Sovereign Society private Facebook group and to follow us over at Sovereign Society podcast on Instagram. If you want to keep up with me, subscribe to my YouTube channel where you can watch these episodes and so much more. I welcome you to come on over and say hey on Instagram at Sabrina Riccio. And if you love these conversations, please support the podcast by subscribing and leaving a rating and review on iTunes. To share the love, all you got to do is search Sovereign Society Podcast. And of course, if you're ready for more, stay tuned for next week because we've got a whole new episode coming your way. Take care. Satnam. Satnam.